Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 14th of February 2022 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 373. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going as the cheesiest day of the year is upon us once more. Now, I'm kind of ambivalent about whether I'm in a relationship or not. For me, I'm I'm probably harder on myself because at my age, you know, I'm single, no kids, I've skipped all the usual box ticking stuff, you know, all the all the stuff relating to the program, steady job, mortgage, wife, kids. God knows what I've done with my life. But I've done none of that. And uh, if I had a wife, if I had kids, I'd probably maybe have a healthier outlook with regards to a few things. You know, perspective. I'm talking about perspective. I'd feel younger for a start. I could still, I guess, classify myself as not an old dad if I had grown up kids. I'm only middle-aged, albeit middle, middle-aged, etc. But this is... This is the one day of the year I'm always fine with being single. I've just always found Valentine's, and only since I first got into a relationship in the 90s, I mean, prior to that, I guess I was always hoping I'd get a Valentine's card. I couldn't get a girlfriend for toffee. I'm sure that had a lot to do with, uh, you know, how I grew up and having to share a bed with my dad and share a bed with, uh, share a room with the rest of the family. You know, that probably played a big part in just not having the confidence to have a girlfriend. But once I did start having girlfriends, I realized, no, this Valentine's business, it's not for me. It's cheesy. It's vulgar. It's a ripoff. And I've been lucky that with the exception, I think, of one relationship, I always found myself with women who felt the same way I do about Valentine's. In fact, sometimes they had stronger anti-Valentine's views than I did. So I'm grateful for that. The one that didn't, the one that was really into Valentine's, she was always big on getting acrylic nails, which I think summed it up, really. I think visually, if someone is into that kind of fake stuff and into the pampering side of things, I think for them, Valentine's is an event. And yeah, 14th of February, I'm I'm fine being where I am right now in my life, just for this, uh, at least this one day a year. Anyway, let's uh, let's crack on with the, uh, the the show. Begin well, actually, still staying with the Valentine's theme because I saw my aunt and uncle last week. It might have been Wednesday or Thursday. I had to check my aunt's uh, nectar points as usual. She'd been sent fifteen hundred nectar Valentine points by Sainsbury's. How much are they worth? She asked excitedly. I still don't think she's got over the uh, the loss of the five pounds. Uh, uh, worth of nectar points or whatever it was that she had to use by early January that she uh, missed out on, and I think I I I think I worked it out. Fifteen hundred points is seven fifty. I think I'm I'm right in working uh, in coming to that uh, 
that conclusion. That's all, said my aunt, clearly disappointed. Give them to me, chipped in my uncle. I'll get your flowers with those on Monday. My aunt wasn't uh, impressed with him. Let me give you a timestamp now. It's 15, 13 hours. So it doesn't make sense that this show will be with you by Monday morning. And here's why. And I'm letting you into a secret here. It's actually Sunday. I'm recording on Sunday, the 13th of uh, February. It's uh, raining here in South London. That'll stress me out a bit with the leaking roof again. But uh, the reason I'm recording on a Sunday just makes uh, the Monday easier for me. I've only done this, I think, twice in the last few months, but particularly with the carriage works, the the relaying of the carriage works outside, they start drilling by, oh, 10 hundred hours, or 10 hundred hours, no consistency there. They start drilling by 10 hundred hours. It puts too much pressure on me to record early before the drilling starts. I didn't think that this would affect me. I'd seen the letters from Lambeth to all residents, and I thought, why are they sending it to me and and, and people around here? Because it says it's going to be taking place outside number one. Now, I'm in the hundreds. My building is number something, something hundred. I'm I'm really I'm very slow today. Just bear with me. The point is, it's not like a residential street. The numbers here, I've realised after a number of years now, I've realised, and I only realised this a few weeks ago when I had to try and arrange to collect something from the local shop. The local shop is number five or six. I thought, really? But they just across the road from me, and I'm in the hundreds here in this building. It's a bit like the West End door numbers. They don't really tally you. You're on one side of the road, number seven, number nine, whatever. And then across the road, directly across the road, is number two. It just makes no sense. I didn't think that this would affect me. But the carriage works are outside. They've begun outside number one on this road. And it's directly opposite this building. And there's a massive, massive ditch that they've dug up. I'm hoping that they don't dig on this side of the road, given all the issues with that uh, that loose manhole cover that dogged the show for about three years until I got Thames to finally Thames Water to finally fix it, uh, fix it. But this is basically what's going on at the moment. And I just thought also I want to get out. I had a really bad Monday last week, barely got any writing done. I'll explain why later. And I'd just rather, all I want to do on Monday morning is a light edit of this show, get it out, go for a run and then leave relatively early so I can, you know, have a good writing session in the afternoon and improve my mood because I am really struggling with my mood at the moment. And I'm not sure really, well, I think I might be able to trace it to a number of things. I'll come to that in a moment. I've just, uh, I'm missing the football here. Not that I'm too bothered. I think it's Newcastle Villa on at the moment. I've just uh, bled the bathroom radiator again. The worry was this time it didn't let out too much air, which is a bit of a problem because it's been a bit lukewarm in there. I wanted uh, to re-experience the radiator bleeding high of October 2021 when the air was coming out of that radiator for a while and I knew that I'd have a radiator almost as good as new by the time I finished. But uh, this time... The air started coming out straight away, lasted three or four seconds, and that was it. Then the water started squirting out, tightened up the radiator, but I'm not too hopeful that's going to be sorted. It is such a cold flat. It's got the high ceilings. I'm barely turning the heating on, and I'm paying a price for that because uh, I've been a bit sniffly. I wouldn't say I've got a cold, but I am sneezing uh, quite a bit, and I've got a big week ahead. It, it, of course, it also might just be tiredness. You know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. My routine at the moment is all over the place. I'm 
I gave myself the weekend off until today, actually, until I'm doing this show uh, this afternoon. But, you know, I've been rehearsing the stand-up set most evenings uh, until my voice has been hoarse. And last week was all about time in the set. It was overrunning. I've now got a tight five, but I've actually got enough material to do a really good seven. So I've been trying to do, find my, you know, some seven minute uh, spots. Not had any luck so far, but I think I'd be okay with those, though I'm mindful that uh, 10 years ago I was running before I could walk. So I've got to be careful there. I've got to, you know, I've got to make sure that I remember that, you know, mentally I'm not quite there. That, it's very easy for someone like me to make a mistake and I've got to try and rein in any excessive positivity just as I've got to stamp down on any excessive negativity. And uh, at the moment, I'm not sure what's going on with the mood. I think there's a, there's a number of things and I, I, I'm not underestimating the impact of the change of medication. I think that might have played a part as well. And I'm opening with a gig on Wednesday I mean, these are just five-minute spots. I'm at a big night in Stockwell, which back in the day, uh, if you'll excuse the Americanism, was a very big night, a very difficult format. They draw your, uh, they draw a number out of uh, out of a hat, so you never knew when you were going on. Thankfully for me, I think I did three gigs there. Two were very good, and I'm hopeful. But ideally, I would have started with something easier. So every day, I mean, the Facebook page, to be fair, has been very uh, useful in terms of finding out where the gigs are. And I've got quite a few gigs lined up, but I was hoping that uh, every day I might see something where there was a couple of spots going. I did see one yesterday for today, but I didn't particularly like the venue. You know, it was uh, it was in Brixton and it's one of those gentrified venues and I just thought I had a point of principle I'd, you know, I'd rather not uh, do it, but it probably something that I should have put myself down for. So I felt better about uh, Wednesday. And anyway, as I was, um, there was one morning where I was thinking, okay, so there's a chance, a small chance that tonight I might be doing a gig. And suddenly I started to feel some nerves. And I wondered, was that because I've changed the pills? Or is this just regardless of what medication you're on, because it's a you know, the kind of thing that takes you out of your comfort zone, you're going to feel some nerves. And are these the good nerves? Are these the nerves that you need in order to do well? And I guess it's a bit of both. I certainly think you need some nerves. And, you know, I've been on these meds for a while now. And in that time, I have done some live stuff. And, uh, you know, the nerves, they can still come through. But obviously, you know, my paranoia is I do get uh, thrown by anything in terms of stand up. I, I find it very easy to forget things. And there was a there was a day last week, it might have been Thursday. I kid you not, the amount of sirens on this road, it was so difficult. This is just from morning to night. And of course, in, in the evening, I was rehearsing my set and I was trying not to get put off. But it's very difficult. And I'm at the point now with the sirens where they really do bother me. It's just excessive noise pollution. And you didn't used to hear that. I've lived on uh, main roads before. I've never heard anything like round here. And I just think, you know, if there was actually a police presence, how many of these sirens would you need? Of course, you'd still need some, but you wouldn't have the police race into the scene of the crime as often as you, you, you have it when there's no police on the street. They're just in their cars. On Friday night, I was in Wandsworth Town in the Southside Shopping Centre. 
was trying to buy some stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll again, I'll come to that later. And in the space of about thirty seconds, I'm guessing to coincide with the schools. I think they've had some problems around there with school kids. I saw about a dozen police officers, and that is a dozen more than I've seen in Lambeth in in months, really. And no, actually, I saw about a hundred the morning that Prince Charles was on. Uh, I think he was visiting Nat West in Brixton. There was some sort of scheme there and they had him. He, he might have been the patron for that scheme. That was maybe just before Christmas. I thought, what's going on here? Is there some terrorist incident? No, it was just a member of the royal family. But obviously also I'm on the blind spot here. So a lot of these uh, sirens are just being switched on to get past this building. But it's so aggravating. And just one more reason to not, uh, you know, not to want to be here, really. Again, with the stand-up gigs... I feel very similar to how I felt 10 years ago. And I did say this to Mickey Boyd last week. I'm feeling pretty much identical to how I was feeling 10 years ago. And I guess that there's the voice going. A big part of this is affirmation. But affirmation from who? Is it affirmation from myself you know, I'm not happy in my life. I, I've always thought that stand-up, if I could conquer my shyness and my stage fright, it was always the natural outlet for my work, but it's just something I've never been able to nail this time. I'm hoping that, for example, this show wasn't going the last time I did a, a stand-up gig and I wasn't doing live radio. I'm hoping that in though that though these things aren't as challenging as performing live in front of an audience, I'm hoping that they do play some part in making me more of an accomplished performer. I'm also hoping, as I I think I said last week, I'm hoping that the pills I do have left, that they are numbing me enough to be able to deal with any nerves on the night. But there's no doubt if I was happier in my life, if I was successful, I probably wouldn't do this. But who knows, this could be an outlet if I can be doing some 10-minute spots paid by the end of the year. That'll bring some money in. You know, I just need to look at a number of things. I do have a potential, a number of potential money-making uh, avenues that might just bring in a, a little money like this uh, Patreon does. I, but you know, they all count. They all count uh, for something. The uh, there was one publisher that got back in touch with me last week, which I thought was very bigger than the other one I haven't heard from. But this particular publisher, I'd sent them the errors uh, and the you know the typos, the list of typos, errors, page numbers, etc. From their three new books that I'd found, there was a long list of them. And to be fair to them, they've added me to their proofreading pool. So again, I'm just looking at potential avenues. Uh, to make money. I don't have a pension. You know, the, the, the future is, the near future now is very grim. You know, the last 30 years have been pretty much a disaster and uh, it's going to be a very difficult end for me. As long as I don't have to, you know, pull that shopping trolley from the shops, get on a bus with all my shopping and a shopping trolley. I don't want to be one of those guys. That That's that's the thing I'm desperate to avoid. But uh, comfort-wise, I think I'm going to be struggling. The Facebook page, it's uh, the spamming has slowed down. I've so far blocked close to 400 men, mainly from India. But that seems to be slowing down as I gradually add other stand-ups to the page. I'm, I'm pleased about that because that was taking uh, a lot of time. It's very useful in terms of gigs. I've not been able to find anything via Reddit or anywhere else. So I'm guessing that the Facebook page was a necessity. More gigs now listed on there. They, you can find them at uh, danielruistizen.com forward slash gigs. The Facebook page, if you want to add yourself, is DRT Comedy. 
And, uh, well, we'll see. First gig is on Wednesday night at the Cavendish in uh, the Cavendish Arms in Stockwell. Again, all the details on the website and the Facebook page. And uh, we'll see how I go on. Might have mentioned it last week. I think the problem is going to be definitely having uh, bringers, as they call them, having to bring a plus one to most gigs. There are one or two where I don't have to. That's going to be very difficult. It was hard enough 10, nine years ago. Hard swallow there. 15, 26 hours. That might be the first one of the show this week. But it's going to be harder now because since 2014, I mean, I've just gone hermit full hermit and you know i am struggling to find uh, some plus ones meet bb lynch i'm a journalist and broadcaster i've written dating features and sex columns presented adult radio shows co-hosted the good sex bad sex podcast and my last relationship ended the day after diana died i know i should be a dating expert but i haven't had a second date since 2017 There is hope, though. According to my friend Max, I rang Max and asked who they thought I would end up with someday. Frank. He's Frank to you. Francis professionally. I've seen him in a a big corner office somewhere. Um, High flyer. Human rights lawyer, I think. Successful, but with a heart. He's going (gasps) to worship the ground you walk on. So now she's setting off on a journey to find every Frank she can. This is Let's Get Frank. From Dates with the Franks. Frank, I love you. I hope that's not too much too soon. <laughs> you are such a romance. Looks like you've got a on your head. Well, it wouldn't be a first time. I'm slightly worried though, Franks. If you're that busy, how are you going to have time for me? Well, because I'm quite high maintenance. <laughs> I think I'd make you very unhappy. <laughs> to expert advice from dating coach and BB's friend, Annabelle Knight. I went for a drink with a man and I did four things that may or may not have been perfect. If you have presets for what you want in a partner and they are immovable, you will end up unhappy. First thing I did was I called, I went, hello, mate. First time I saw him. Then we got into quite heavy emotional subjects that I think I instigated. Don't expect the most amazing connection to start with because that is something that you have to build on and work upon. Then I drew his attention to the fact that I look like Nanny McPhee. Do, however, expect them to buy your first glass of wine. <laughs> and if they don't, leave. <laughs> when you take notes about my days, do you do you draw in the margin? No, there's a love heart oh. on this one, though. <laughs> and then I may or may not have made a joke about the size of my... Actually, I think you hit your stride at about four minutes in when you said I love you. Will BB find the Frank that she's been looking for? Let's Get Frank. Available February 10th, wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. BB Lynch there, you do fear for the uh, the Franks. Worth listening to that show. I think that's a great trailer. I had to beep out a few uh, naughty words just because that's the way this uh, show works, but worth uh, catching that uh, BB Lynch show, Let's Get Frank by Acast and... Uh, all providers. Last week, staying with podcasts, and I was doing a a lot of thinking. And I there was a moment a few weeks ago, or a couple of shows ago, where I heard myself talking about when shorts were short on here, and I mentioned how though it's uh, this show is going to kill me. And I wasn't I wasn't being disingenuous there. It's been such a drain for so little gain and again speaking to uh, our cab driver friend I don't need to mention him again plus I'd have to for consistency I'd have to go into the special effects again and uh, reverb his name and I've done that once I, you know I just want to get on with this show and finish it today and uh, he just said to me and it was good advice just get rid of that negativity if you if you're not enjoying it don't do it and 
The problem is I'm still sitting on around 40 interviews, which I'll have to get out at some point, but I'm not really going to be recording any more new interviews unless they're sort of Sabucho related. And I'm certainly not going to be pursuing any more interviews. The, the, the show, I, I believe it was the right idea. I believe it's a strong idea, a good idea, but I don't have the audience for it. I'm lucky, if anything, that I didn't make the kind of show that I wanted to originally, which was going to be a magazine-based format rather than a long-form show. But dealing with these guests, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, there was the um, another 80-something guy, former professional footballer and manager in this country, now in the States, and the difficulty of trying to set up a Zoom with them. I mean, I, I can't be spending my time unless I really love the show. And I wasn't even prepared. It wasn't even that I needed to love the show. I just needed it to be successful. If it was a successful show, it would be like going to the man. You don't particularly like it, but it's paying you. It's doing something. It wasn't just about paying myself and covering my costs. It was about working the show up to a point where I would be able to pay guests for their time, which I think ideally is the right thing to do. I'm just nowhere near that. I lost the two patrons I had on the When Shorts Were Short page which I understood but I can't work that fast I don't have an editor if I'd been making money the first thing I would have done would would have been to bring an editor on board and every time I recorded an interview it would have been with them and the show would have been out within two or three weeks I don't like editing I mean I don't even like podcasting now you're going to be saying this is a very negative show but I I, I am very honest about podcasting I, I it's not something that I enjoy it's not like live radio I don't really feel a connection to the audience because it's not live it, it's pre-recorded and of course if I had a massive audience then I might feel a connection I am in some way I, well I don't know if it's pride or just because I'm very dogged and I like uh, like racking up the numbers and to be getting close to 400 episodes in 10 years I think that's an achievement and I'm proud of it in that respect and I don't mind this as a a landing point for people getting to know my work but my work is so much more than podcasting this is just a sideline and it's one of the strangest creative experiences of my life that I started doing this 13 years ago just to try and get back into radio and now this is such a massive thing the idea with when shorts were short was to do something to do a commercial venture and I do feel there was an audience for it, but unfortunately, the demographic of the audience, it means it, it, it's resulted in, and this I did expect, a late-to-the-party podcast audience who don't, who, who don't quite understand how to support a podcast. And I'm not just talking about donations here, right? This is Now, I've got to find a way of financing all my work. I'm not going to apologize for that. I've had a few messages from various people, including someone from the other side of the world who went to extraordinary lengths to uh, tell me that no one owes me a living. I have this in various areas of my life with the housing. No one owes you a place. It seems that no one owes me anything. I've never said anyone owes me anything. What I've said is you should be paid for what you do. Now, if there's no audience, you shouldn't be paid. But if there is an audience, which there is for when shorts were short, you've got to make money either from the audience or some other way. Now, the majority of podcast listeners probably think, because this is the age of the internet, this is how a generation has grown up, and my generation has been culpable in that because when the internet was a, a novelty 20, 21, 22 years ago, we started giving our work away for free on the internet because it was a good way to raise our profile. But long term, it's been an absolute disaster for us. It means that we ourselves have undervalued our work. Now, if 
an audience is not going to support a show financially. Okay, that's that's fine. Hear me out here. The reason I bang on, which I've taken stick for, I, I, I do bang on about Acast download figures and why it's important. The show has run for about 30 episodes now when shorts were short. Downloads, uh, five and a half thousand. That is awful. You need 10,000 downloads per episode. This is important because that's the way you bring, ad- bring in advertising. If you bring adver- in, oh, I can't even get my words right. If you bring in advertising, then you've got a show that could be a moneymaker. So you're not relying on the audience to support you. But in order for the show to grow, in order for a show, any show, to get those audience figures, you need your audience to share the show, which clearly doesn't happen. Now, I've had emails from people, and and, and I believe them. Oh, we've shared your show with a couple of people, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's great. That's appreciated. But the majority haven't. And all the podcast platforms, they work on reviews and shares and that takes you to a newer audience and the downloads build. And then your platform provider, who, unless they see the downloads growing, are not going to bother you, uh, bother promoting you, which is short-sighted on their part because they could get you to that 10,000 downloads an episode a lot quicker. Uh, and it would be better for them. They'd also be making money. But the point is, 5,500 downloads, that's not great, but it's still something. But from five and a half thousand downloads, from about 250, 300 listeners per episode in recent uh, episodes, still only 24 reviews on Apple Podcasts. That, that, you know, that's a disaster. I can't do anything with that. And I'm not going to kill myself doing something I don't love. I could have continued with the show if I saw that it was headed in the right direction, if I saw that the downloads were there. It wouldn't have been a show that I loved doing. I don't love football. It's not my thing. It was when I was a kid, which is why I'm particularly strong in this area. But, you know, I'm doing this show while there's football on the TV. I think on Tuesday or Wednesday night, my team might be playing, but I'm going to be doing a gig. It's, it's, it's you know, there's so much football. It does. It's not got a big place in my life. You know, I'll have the football on. And even if my team's playing, I'll be reading a book. It doesn't really hold my attention. But I did feel that I could do a show, a different show, a historical football show by interviewing these guests that would be of interest to people. And it has been, to be fair. But I've got an audience, largely, that doesn't comprehend what you need to do in order for a show to be successful. I've also tried to post on pretty much every football forum going blocked by most of the forums because they think you're spamming. Okay, well, maybe that is spamming, but how do you advertise a show? How do you get fans of clubs aware? How do you make them aware that you're out there? You know, I'm not someone who's going to ever listen to the Peter Crouch podcast. I'm not someone who's going to listen to shows on the Premier League. Again, again, there's there's too many of them. I wanted to do something different. Ideally, I didn't want to do another podcast project because I know at my level – they're very difficult to do. You need a big team on a show like this. You at least need an editor. And I don't have any of that. And I don't have the downloads. And it's the right decision. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. And now I will get out the episodes in my own time. I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'm closer to the end of my life than I am to the middle of my life. And uh, I, I genuinely believe that. So... I've got to spend my time focusing on things that I love. 
there's not many, but I've got to find them. And there may be things out there that I'm not aware that I love, but I have to I have to try and find them. And doing when shorts were short is certainly not something that I loved. I stand by the idea. I think it's a very good idea. There was also interest from one producer in taking it to a particular place, but it wouldn't have been right for that particular place. And I'm tired of spending my weekends and evenings reading football books. I, I don't want to read those. I've got post-it notes everywhere, tiny little post-it notes, thousands of them that I've stuck in the pages of football books. The show needed to be a success for me to enjoy it. It's not been a success. I think the um, the last straw for me was when no one entered the second Big Green Books competition. That, that summed it up for me. That's just, uh, it summed up the audience. And I'd love to know how these shows, these big name fronted shows, why they're able to work. Is it just starry-eyed listeners? I mean, is that what it is? It's a big name, so whatever they do, you'll you, whatever they say, you'll do. If they ask you to enter a competition, you'll do it. If they ask you to leave a review, you'll do it. You know, how is someone meant to finance a show? And why is what why does a creator constantly have to justify their work? If a cleaner cleans, if a cleaner is clean in the street or clean in the house, there is a demand for it they're being paid for it it's right that they be paid for it now no one has made me do when shorts were short but clearly there was some sort of demand for the show because the downloads the downloads were there they just weren't good enough but the downloads were there so if there are downloads there people are enjoying the show so why shouldn't I make money from that work how am I meant to make a show how am I meant to find the time to make a show without any money I'm no different to a normal person. Creators aren't different. I think if George Gissin was writing New Grub Street now, it would be even darker than the original book, which is to this day, I've said it time and time again, the best book I've ever read on writers and the way they're treated. So it's, uh, I don't know how much this decision to wind the show down, because unfortunately I can't walk away from it straight away. And I'm not you know calling out anyone's bluff here i don't want to make more of these shows i don't want to make more of those episodes it's the right decision it's uh it was uh it was well thought out but you know i've had a health scare i'm in the midst of a health scare i've got to be sensible and not keep pushing myself and uh, when shorts were short is something that is just it's taken up too much of my time it's not worth it but it was the right show it was the right idea i thought it out properly i didn't rush it I paid for the things I needed to pay for, but the money's not there. It's the same with the podcast editing. I I just seem everything that I do, you know, it's almost, I'm always being questioned as to why I should be paid or why I should be paid the amount I'm being paid. That's what was happening with the podcast editing. It just seems every area of my life, you know, for instance, with the housing, no one owes you you a, a place. Well, I've been in this community most of my life, I'm from this community. Now, there have been many times over the years where I found myself isolated, living far away from friends, from family, and the isolation impacts on me. And I end up having to, you know, go and see my doctor, end up having to uh, go into counseling, end up having to uh, be prescribed pills. I'm costing the state more money by not allowing me to live in an affordable way by not allowing me to live in a way that allows me to contribute more to society by doing the things I'm good at, which I can't really focus on full time because I've got a ridiculously high rent in the private sector. By forcing me to live like this, I'm contributing less to the state. 
I'm actually costing the state money with the medication I'm on, with all the counselling I've had to have. It just seems every area of my life, everyone is telling me, you've no right to this, no one owes you this, no one owes you that. And it's usually, you know, people who have the things that I need who are telling me that. I can't work it out. I'm not very good at framing arguments and... uh, I would say my arguments tend to be based on emotion maybe, but again, I don't feel very emotional just because I feel very detached from things. This is meant to be a very short show and it's going on for a while and I'm going to find Monday morning very difficult editing this, but uh, you know, I don't claim to be right about everything. I may not be right about the things I've just said on this show, but I'm just, uh, you know, I'm speaking from the heart here. Uh, Last week's uh, runs, Friday was a a silly run. I was running late, literally, had a priority appointment at a a clinic, but I got sidetracked by the whole when shorts were shorts thing and various messages I was getting from various people. And I still wanted to get out on a run beforehand because I was going to go and buy some, uh, try and buy some jeans in the afternoon so I wouldn't be able to go out in the evening for a run I did a a shorter run another of those three k's it was a good pace but it left me uh, running late and I missed the hospital appointment it's in a very awkward to get to clinic I don't know why they sent me there and I did tell them that I was calling them for an hour beforehand because I had a feeling I was going to be late you know there was so much traffic and I was going to have to walk there and no one was picking up. It said no. there was no option as well to, to leave a voicemail. And I got there and they told me, oh, they'd, they'd left 10 minutes ago. And I was, I was fuming. I said, what is the point in having this automated message that doesn't allow you to leave an actual message? What is the point of that? And you've, you know, I'm late by 10 minutes and they've gone. And they tried to give me another appointment for next Friday afternoon. And I said, I'm not going to come again next Friday afternoon. I'm going to run into problems again. There's too much traffic. You know, there's these carriage works that are slowing down all the traffic on this road. And I'm not going to make it on time. And also I told them, don't mark me down as a, as a DNA here because I was there. I was late, but I was there. And I've been calling, for, you know, I've been calling for an hour and no one was picking up. Thankfully, someone called me back on the Friday evening, 1,700 hours, and um, there in a couple of weeks. Ironically, last week was the first week where I'd felt good in, in, in a month. I was a bit frustrated. I would have liked the issues that have uh, meant that I've been sent to this place. I, I'd, I'd have liked them to have still been recurring just so they could have been picked up at the hospital appointment. But we'll see what happens. I'm going to end. It's been a... You know, I'm trying to get a lot of things off my chest, but I'm going to end this uh, first half of the show on a positive note because there was one moment on a southbound bus last week where the bus driver was having to regulate the service and uh, she said, and I'm paraphrasing here, sorry for the inconvenience. And at last I thought, the inconvenience, not any inconvenience, they know that they've inconvenienced you and she's acknowledged it. It makes such a difference. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Episode 373. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at 1607WestEgg. Facebook.com forward slash DRT available. All the works at DanielRuizTyson.com. You've got the Patreon page that keeps this show alive. Patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Appreciate uh, the few of you that continue to support the podcast. You can also support the work via DanielRuizTyson.com. There are PayPal and uh, Ko-fi. Is that how I say it? Yes, I checked that. Ko-fi.com. There are links on the DanielRuizTyson.com page. 
And uh, do please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Obviously, Apple Podcasts is, you know, the all-important one. But uh, as I said last week, you can now leave uh, reviews on Spotify. I forgot what I was going to say there. I've got such a bad memory. I thought I should lead with it. But no, I thought I'll do the ident. And now I've forgotten what I was going to say. I'll bring you uh, hygiene fail of the week. Last Monday the 7th, this kind of feeds into the cafe later on. Monday 7th of February after I'd come in from my run, I'd already uh, put out episode uh, episode 372. Everything went wrong in the afternoon. I put four pounds in a machine at Brixton Tube to top up my oyster. Only the money got stuck. Then I had to wait 30 minutes for TFL to go behind the machine and reimburse me. That was meant to be my big writing session in the cafe. I'd also dropped my oyster card, fell out of, uh, fell out of my TFL wallet. And I'm realising now that I've forgotten to anti-back wipe it, so that's something I'll have to do before tomorrow. Uh, That was, uh, I think, probably the most serious hygiene fail of the week. Then I got to the cafe and it turned out that after charging my laptop the day before, I hadn't turned it off properly. So both laptop batteries, the internal and the external spare, were running low. And I think this is all um, stress, I think. I think it's stress behind uh, these cock-ups it's just uh, it's a time of year i think maybe i've just been waylaid a bit by the agent rejection last week and uh, they didn't come back to me uh, which would have been good if they just given me a bit more extensive feedback i could have really worked with that that would have been really useful but uh, you know it's a bad time of year lots of grim anniversaries in february and i as i've told you every year i try to avoid uh, buying groceries where the expiry date lands on those grim anniversaries but at the moment i've got uh, i think milk I've got cheese, basically the dairy products. I've got three dairy products that expire on the day of these grim anniversaries, and I've got something else that might be a pasty, but I'm less fussed about the pasties. I've, you know, I think they can last another four or five days past their expiry dates. I took some um, really nice pictures, I think, just just for my uh, short film project. That was Thursday or Friday. Might have been Friday. For these, uh, I, I went to take some pictures uh, for the locations, potential locations, and I took about 30 pictures. And this was a particular house that when I was growing up, about a couple of minutes from Mayflower Road on uh, in SW9, South London, this was a house that as a kid I didn't really like. It's a, a pair of uh, mansions side by side that looked like something out of the monsters as a kid. That pretty much unsettled me. And then you know, from the mid-90s onwards, you know, every time I was walking to see Lopez, I'd pass this building and I just fell in love with it and it completely changed my view of it. There was another one also on Putney Hill and I ended up moving very close there because I was writing a, well, I did move to Putney Hill in 2007. I was working on a project and I had a particular house in mind there that I just thought visually would be really good for my work. You know, that's how seriously I used to take my writing. You know, I was a method writer. At Friday, I was trying to buy some jeans, as mentioned earlier. The usual store where I get my jeans from, they changed the spec, the the rise, whatever that is, on the, on the jeans used to be low. It's now gone to mid. I tried them on, looked like I had a hernia. And also, I had a shirt that somehow attached itself to the back of my bag and the uh, the girl that was manning the changing room, she found that quite uh, amusing. I think as I've gotten older, I've also struggled to 
sometimes distinguish between the men's section and the women's section. Some of the clothes look really similar, I have to say that. And there was also a horrendous moment where I passed a, a trouser section in the men's that said, ankle trousers. And as part of the generation that fought so hard to get rid of ankle swingers, I can't believe the way fashion works that 20, 30 years later, suddenly it is fashionable to see your socks again. You know, 10 years ago, I was being mocked by the space daddy as he went past me on a bus. I got a text and it said, I can see your socks. And now 10 years on, it is all about seeing your socks. Couldn't find the jeans in Wandsworth Town. Went to the West End, which was a real pain to get to from there. You know, buses on diversion, buses now such as the 88 and the number three truncated bus routes. It was a nightmare getting back as well. Went to two further stores, one on Regent Street, one in Oxford Street. They didn't have, not to mention my size, you know, very common size. They didn't have the size, but also... Again, they didn't have the low rise. And then on Saturday morning, I was in a chat with an agent for that shop and uh, they explained that they discontinued the rise. So I'm going to have to probably look elsewhere, given that the alternative that I tried makes it look like I've got a hernia. Don't think I'll be, um, don't think I'll be buying those uh, things on my mind this week as that road, as I said, gets shorter. I, mean, I think I'm going to stop listing shopping lists in the back of my notebook going to start sticking them and I have started sticking them on post-it notes which I insert in the back of the notebooks then remove when I've got everything because it could be any day now or, you know you're just not going to be around anymore your flat's going to be cleared out and they're going to see all you know hundreds maybe over a thousand notebooks now going back to 1990 and at some point from the mid-noughties onwards they're going to see the shopping list that started to creep in originally in Waitrose but the gradual decline evident as I end up in little. Let me just give you my nectar points. Switch the lights on here. Because I am recording in the dark here. All right, nectar points, not much to report. I was wrong on the little bananas, by the way. They've uh, they've now gone back to bring in single bananas. So I think the sealed overpriced quintet bananas... That might have been just a one-off or maybe it's going to be something that's going to establish itself. But for the time being, they've got the normal loose uh, bananas back. Uh, the 9th of February, what are we today? So this is Wednesday. I bought uh, some blueberries, bought some yogurt, bought, might have been five bananas, 68p, more Hall sugar-free and some nutty granola low sugar. I am mindful that all this granola has hidden sugars, so I'm trying to uh, wean myself off those. Uh, everything came to £5.45. Previous points balance, 181 earned 5 points. Bonus points earned 10, so ended up with 196. That's pretty decent, 15 points on a very uh, low expenditure, 15 points. That's uh, Yeah, that's pretty decent, I think, you know. I think if I get to 250 points, you know, by, say, May or June, I might look back on this particular purchase and say, well, you know, if I can look at turning points to 15 points I got on a spend of £5.45 back in February, that was really important. That really set me on the way. Star Wars football, the season ended last night. Three finals to give you. Uh, I'm now at the stage, and I think this is something I think about a lot of my running. I think it's actually kept me awake at night. Sometimes it's, you know, it's the close season. I want to start the new season, Silver Age 7, and I'm trying to work out the transfers. So I've put all eight Star Wars football teams, the domestic teams I 
lay them out on the pitch and then I look at who's going to what team and I move them about, see how those teams look strength-wise. Of course, it's the 40th anniversary of Star Wars football this year as well. So two new teams, uh, not full membership, but associate teams, they will be uh, coming in uh, for the season and so there's that to consider as well. Some of the transfers have gone through, but uh, one or two may still fall away. Uh, it's going to take me a few more days, I think, to, to get it right. The FA Cup final last Monday, X-Wing, warm favourites against Rebels. Rebels, uh, let me just have a look at when the first goal went in. A minute from halftime, Chief Chirper and what turned out to be his final game for X-Wing. He's been in brilliant form, the Ewok, for X-Wing in the second half of the season. He gave X-Wing the lead. They ran out comfortable 4-0 winners. Red Shadow, man of the match. He scored one of the goals. Tie Fighter scored his second of the season. Remember, he scored in the um, FA Cup semi-final as well to knock out Neighbours Aldron and uh, Captain Joe Globy scored two minutes from time to give X-Wing an emphatic 4-0 win. Rebels have been very busy in the transfer market. I can confirm that they've actually signed X-Wing's highly rated number two keeper, the youngster Hoth Luke. So uh, X-Wing and Besbin, the league champions, will contest the Community Shield at the start of uh, Silver Age Season 7. The Europa League final lap was on Thursday night. Yavin 4 versus Death Star. Death Star, slight favourites. Yavin 4, disappointing first half for them, but uh, still goalless. And then a minute into the second half, uh, a goal from Skywalker gave Yavin 4 the Europa League. Death Star, a disappointing end to the season for them, but they do go into uh, the Europa League next season alongside X-Wing, who have qualified by dint of winning the FA Cup. Last night, Champions League final, Endor versus Tatooine. Endor, Tatooine as I've now been calling it. Let's find the consistency there. Endor have, uh, remember, lost two finals prior to this. Tatooine uh, looking to win their third consecutive final. They met in the final last year, winner from Han Solo. They'd also scored the winner that knocked Endor out in the semifinals two seasons ago. Last season's final between the pair had been a really dull final, but last night's was far from dull. Ended goalless after extra time, went to penalties. Tatooine won 3-1 on penalties. Bespin Luke's final game for Tatooine, the most successful captain in the history of Star Wars football, although he did miss Tatooine's opening penalty uh, kick, and they'll be hard-pushed to replace him. He's taken over as player-manager of Hoth. Endor, they missed a glaring chance through Finn about 40 seconds from time. He just ballooned it over. Silver droid in the Tatooine goal. He was absolutely incredible. I'm just looking here. I didn't even do the player ratings. I'm going to do them now so I can give them to you. Actually, what I'll do is I'll just tell you who the man of the match was. It was Silver Droid in the Tatooine goal, although Endor Layer had played really well for Endor. But uh, yeah, Endor, they've now lost three finals. They'll be wondering if uh, they're ever going to win the Champions League. First uh, Champions League final to go to penalties. Only the third final in the history of Star Wars football to go to penalties. Tatooine have been involved in the previous two as well. The Christmas Cup final, Silver Age Season 2, and the FA Cup final later that same season, both against Rebels. They won one and they lost uh, the FA Cup final. Moving Onto the cafe now. Not too much to report. No hand washing the gents from Monday to Thursday. That was, uh, that was, I suppose, the big news from last week. Appalling in the pandemic. Wi-Fi issues. The new Wi-Fi doesn't work, so having to use the old Wi-Fi in there. And uh, last week, I mentioned this noisy trio that are now uh, established in the cafe, or seem to be establishing themselves. Uh, they were back on Wednesday. There's a uh, 
a guy who he kind of sounds like a cross between an Italian and Barry McGuigan. Very hard to place his accent. He looks like Captain Birdseye. He's got a very clipped white beard. He wears almost like a, a, a seaman's hat as well. Very annoying. He's got two pissed up loudmouth women with him as well. The three of them are really noisy. And his accent is just the most confusing accent I've heard in years. At one point, he went to the loo. This is on Wednesday. He went to the loo with one of the women. The older woman took him to the loo. Might have been his wife. I thought he was taking her because she looked absolutely trolled. Either way, I thought that's odd. Who's helping who there? Then as they finally left and the noise levels in the cafe dropped, I realized that Captain Birdseye had a white stick and that he was blind. So maybe that's why his levels are very high because he can't register how annoyed some of the other people in there like myself are by their noise levels thursday as i neared the cafe early jim was leaving the cafe the smirker gave me a classic two-fingered salute as we passed each other by the art gallery i went for the left thumbs up and and, and smile no one does the uh the two-fingered salute quite like early jim Another cubicle hygiene fail from me. My and I, I've noticed that I've got a a white mark on the calf, the back uh, the back of my trap. Well, the calf, uh, my black jeans, and I'm wondering whether that's because you know the the loo might have been cleaned with bleach. The issue is the cubicle is so tight in there, and it's led, led to a couple of hygiene fails on my part. When I turn away from the urinal, 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 to unlock the door, not as tight as it should be. My turn, that is. So again, as I turn to get out of the loo, I scrape the back of my trouser leg on the bowl. And uh, do keep in mind, it is a curious setup, a bowl and a urinal. Meantime, the cafe's greatest raconteur returned after almost a decade away. I had not seen him in many years. I hope never to see him again. Curly hair, earring, I think, greyer. These days, aren't we all tufted under bottom lip? The most ridiculous beard there is, the most ridiculous facial hair design there is. It's, it's the ankle socks of beards. Flamboyant ring, I think, on the little finger, right hand, probably a musician, late 40s, early 50s, maybe. And I do remember around the time of the London Olympics, he was a regular in the cafe and he would start conversations from any table as he ordered a meal and would often be talking across the cafe to another table. And you just thought, you know, you'd think, why don't these guys just get together now? And I learned 10 years ago, and I did it again the other day, don't make eye contact with this guy because he's just looking to strike up a conversation with anybody and I'm not talking across tables with a really loud talker. I'd rather not. I saw Future Me last week, by the way, but he was on a middle table. We were just chatting away. He looked well. He is going a lot to Stockwell Continental now. He does like their... uh, uh, coffee. I think he was going to see a film on the Wednesday night. The raconteur, anyway, uh, dead ringer for Bob Dylan, ordered a breakfast of Portuguese toast, mushrooms and an egg. He told Phil Collins as she delivered the breakfast and an espresso. I've been looking forward to this all morning. Little finger coming off the espresso cup as well, like a ponce. And as I watched his little finger coming off the cup, I'd received a too frothy latte, the second one last week, and I was having to wipe my mouth with a serviette. You really shouldn't have to be wiping your mouth uh, when you're having a coffee. I can hear my uh, stomach rumbling. I do remember that the head man of SW8's partner, I'm not sure if he's the boyfriend or, or, or husband, 
but they've been together for a long time. So long, in fact, that in 2012, he was also in there one afternoon when the raconteur arrived and the two really hit it off, which is when I realised that uh, the head man of SWH's partner is the more extrovert of that coupling. I thought, uh, if he comes in now, I wonder if they'll remember each other and strike up another conversation because the head man of SWH himself is uh, very low key. I wonder if the raconteur will be back. I, myself, I will be back uh, next week, he said, latching onto that segue. 16.04 hours. I don't know if it's me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I've heard it much hard swallowing on this episode. Just the one, I think, that I had to acknowledge. And uh, that is it. That's the end of this week's uh, show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. 